so good to be here uh, tonight and to be able to go into the Word of God and study the Word of God. Thank you for joining us online for this part four of By Their Fruits. And I trust you'll have patience with me tonight as I endeavor to teach this lesson because I'm here to talk about patience. And I know everyone that's listening here tonight has this fruit of the Spirit on the top of your fruit basket in your life. Now, patience. I'm sure that we've all run into this word a time or two. Anybody ever raise children? Or how about teenagers? Did you ever do the count thing? One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters, two and twelve sixteenths? Get the picture? Did any of them ever get on your last nerve? Were you ever ready to post them on Marketplace? I don't think so. And what about family members? Or should we go there? Or co-workers? Well, let's look what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, yes, patience, it's there, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, when he is in control of our life, he's going to produce this kind of fruit in us. <clears throat> now, it's not about you getting to choose which fruit that you want. Because I know you would have already chosen Pastor Jack's love, Sister Kathy's joy, or Brother Sisko's peace. But definitely, you probably wouldn't choose my long-suffering or patience. Well, sorry, brothers and sisters. They're all in the fruit basket. It's collective. I looked at the dictionary definition of long-suffering or patience, and it says this. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering. Wait for it. Without getting angry or upset. That's the clincher. You know, sometimes, oh yeah, I can tolerate delay. I'm, I'm good at that. I, I, have, I have patience, and you think you do. But without getting angry or upset, sometimes that gets in the way. Well, how did you do today? Let's, let's just ask the question. The capacity to accept delay. Anybody get behind a pokey driver this morning on your way to work? What did you do? On the horn? <laughs> or you, you gunner and you pull out and you pass them and you're, you're waving your hands at them and you're, yeah, no, no, we wouldn't do that. No. Patience. Anybody ever go through the McDonald's drive-thru? Now, that's supposed to be the fastest way to get your burger. Go through the drive-thru. You don't have to get out of your car. You don't have to go in, order. You go through the drive-thru. So you spin around, you place your order, and you're reaching out to get that burger only to hear somebody say, could you just pull ahead into number three and wait, and we'll bring it out to you. Ah, patience. That's where it comes into play. Seriously? I'm supposed to be in the drive-thru. I'm supposed to be getting my burger in a hurry. So we sometimes think of patience 
as simply being willing to wait. And that's good. Certainly not a bad trait to be willing to wait. Because hurry is probably the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can actually destroy our souls. Because we like to do multiple things all at the same time because we're in such a hurry. This world is fast-paced and we're just into it. We're go, 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 go. And sometimes because of our hurry and not putting patience in there and waiting, sometimes we can even miss what God wants to do in our lives. But you know, God is never in a hurry. He has everything under control. So patience is not just the state of waiting or not hurrying. Because you can say, well, I can wait. I, I don't really have to be in a hurry. I, I have patience. But let's look at it a little deeper. The word patience is sometimes translated long-suffering in the King James Version. Patience is the powerful capacity of suffering long under adversity. And that's the part we don't like. Suffering long under adversity. That's part of patience. It's the noble ability of bearing with either difficult people, and we don't have them in our lives, but sometimes difficult people or adverse circumstances without breaking down, without going over the edge, without losing it. Patience is a generous willingness to try to understand the awkward people or disturbing events that sometimes even God allows to enter our lives. Most of all, patience is the powerful attribute of remaining steadfast under strain. Anybody relate tonight? Steadfast under strain. Oh, I can be patient when it's, everything's going good and you know, life's okay, and, you know, I, I, I think I have the fruit patience. But what about when you get under strain? What about when that storm comes into your life? Do you remain steadfast, unmovable, in adversity? Now, we want to look at two Greek words that are translated patience. First one is hupomone. Hupo, meaning under, and moan, abide. Now, this word expresses the idea of being under a burden for a very long time without succumbing to suffering and without becoming fearful or despondent, all the while abiding, not changing, in the face of pressure. It's being constant when the winds of adversity blows in in our lives. Can we become abiding, not changing? Can we become constant? in the face of that. This is a word picture of a beast of burden remaining steadily under control as it does heavy, strenuous work for its master, get this, without complaint. So the word patience goes a little bit deeper than just uh, you know waiting for your burger in the drive-thru at McDonald's. The word patience is when things come in our lives and, and stress and, and worry and frustrations and difficulties can we have the patience, the long-suffering to endure, to be constant for God? The other Greek word, translated patience, is macrothumus. Macro meaning long, thumus meaning anger. 
This word expresses the idea of anger taking a very long time to build before it is expressed and being under strict control when or if ever it is expressed. So in other words, this is, you don't lose it. You don't go over the edge. This is the exact opposite of being short-tempered. Now, it's not denying that anger exists, because anger is a human expression. It's an emotion that we have. But rather, expressing it with restraint, it's how you handle your anger. Expressing it with restraint and without revenge. You know, and if anger goes too long and too deep, it becomes revenge. Have you ever said, well, I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind? Well, we may not have that much to give away. Sorry. We have grown accustomed to hearing about angry, out-of-control people. In the news, the protesters. Every week, somebody's protesting against something. And that just boils down to angry people and venting and not restraining or controlling that anger in their lives. But you know, God has such a better way for us as children of God, as Christians, to deal with our disappointments, our frustrations, our difficulties. Because everybody has them. Every, it's going to hit everybody at one point in time in your life. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to have difficulties overcrowd you. But how do we deal with those difficulties and frustrations? It's called the power of the Holy Ghost producing the fruit of the Spirit called patience and long-suffering in our lives. You know, patience is really the supernatural ability. So not really in our own strength. And that's where the Holy Ghost comes in to give us this ability to have this patience and long-suffering. It's a supernatural ability to deal with ongoing suffering and frustration without succumbing to anger against God or against one another. And so many times that happens in our lives. When we're in the middle of a storm, our first response is to vent, to blame someone, blame the church, and yes, even some will dare to blame God for their circumstances. But you know, the Holy Ghost can give us power over this if we allow the fruit of the Spirit called patience to abide and to grow in our lives. Jesus said, you know, in this world, you shall have tribulation. He didn't say, well, you might, or the odd day, or is a possibility. No, the Bible says you shall have tribulation, but there's a but there. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I have overcome your anger. I have overcome your frustration because I am going to place in you some seeds of the fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. But you have to let it grow. It's like any seed. You can place it in the ground, but if you don't nurture it, you don't water it, and you don't get the sun to shine on it, that seed's not going to grow, and it's not going to produce, and it's not going to be any good to you. So the seed of long-suffering and patience in our lives. It's planted, but we've got to nurture it. We've got to allow it to grow so that it can become a part of our fruit basket, a part of our life. You know, we can't just choose the love, the joy, and the peace, because that's easy, and that feels good. But what about the long-suffering? What about the patience? Now, a Bible example of patience that, you know, I have to refer to tonight is Job. 
Do you ever hear of people saying, oh, he's got the patience of Job? And why did he say that? Because Job did have a lot of patience, a lot of long-suffering. But let's look at the life of Job. Who was he? The Bible says that he was upright, he feared God, and he hated evil. Well, that just sounds like some of us CCC people here online tonight or whoever is online. You know, we fear God, we hate evil, we want to do good. But then life happened. And Job was left asking, why me? And you might be questioning that tonight in your life. Something terrible has happened or come into your life. Why do awful things happen to me? Why do I have to go through this valley? And I, I imagine Job questioned that too. Why me, Lord? You know, Job lost his oxen, his sheep, his camels, servants, his kids. Even his health was attacked. But I want to look in this story at two different reactions here. First one was his wife. Now she lost it all too because they're a couple. So she's lost everything, even her kids. Her reaction was anger and frustration, and it just spewed out. Why don't you curse God and die? Definitely no long-suffering there. But Job said, no. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. You speak as a foolish woman. We can't blame God for this. You know, God has blessed us with all of this. And yet, okay, he's taken it. It's gone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job worshipped through his storm. Yeah, he was under a burden, and for a very long time. This just didn't happen overnight. It was a space of a long time that he was under this heavy burden. But he did not become fearful. He did not become despondent. He was able to abide in the face of pressure. And while his wife is trying to tell him, you know, just curse God and die. Let's just give up. You know, have you ever been in that situation? And maybe you're going through something now where, let's just give up. Let's just turn away and walk away from everything. Walk away from God. Walk away from the church. That's not the answer. Brothers and sisters, we need to have some patience and long-suffering. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I choose to have long-suffering. I choose to have patience in spite of what I'm going through, in spite of how my life has turned out, because I serve a God that's bigger than all my problems. I refuse to react and give way to anger, because ultimately, he said, if this body is destroyed, if it comes down that my life itself is destroyed, is wiped out, I know that yet in my flesh I shall see God. So it doesn't matter what we may have to face in life. If we can get a hold of this like Job did and had that long-suffering and patience that said, it doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to serve God. And if it comes down to it that God takes my life through this, I'm still going to serve him because I'm going to see him. That's our hope. That's what we have to hold on to. So in this case, Job responded. His wife reacted. And we today can choose to become bitter or better. And life's going to happen. Things are going to blow in. The storm is going to rage high sometimes in our lives. But we can choose to become bitter or better. We can choose to abide in Christ during the worst storms in our lives. And as that song goes, 
Sometimes he calms the storm, but sometimes he calms me. We gotta let that Holy Ghost start to calm us and let that fruit of the Spirit of long suffering and patience be there in our life to help us through this time. Why? Because a Holy Ghost can give us power over any storm in our life. And the Holy Ghost, that's what equips us with this fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. But we've got to let the seeds grow. We've got to get, let it grow in our lives. So therefore, seeing these two reactions in Job's story, one of anger and frustration and one of worship and blessing, we can't talk about patience tonight without actually talking about anger. That's the other emotion. That's the other thing that we go through, and it's on the extreme end of patience, is anger. Well, you might ask, well, how do we ha handle anger? You know, and we're human. We're all human. And that is definitely a human response, anger. But number one, we must realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. Anger is simply a strong emotion of displeasure arising from a feeling of injury. So we're human, and we get injured, we get hurt, we get frustrated, we get disappointed. What's the first thing that's going to come up? Is that anger. It's going to raise its ugly head. Now, anger is not sinful in and of itself. For the Bible tells us that God even can become angry at times. And the Bible gives us permission to be angry, but without sinning. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger must be controlled. Anger can be there, but it must be controlled. And you can't control it once the adrenaline rush kicks in. So therefore, you must control anger in advance. You've got to get a hold of it before it gets a hold of you. The old English word anger originally meant to choke or to strangle. And you know, sometimes I know that's what we like to do to someone because of our anger, like to choke them or strangle them. However, we need to remember that this is what anger will do to us. If we allow anger to get out of control in our lives, anger will eventually strangle and choke us, and especially our spiritual life. It'll choke us. On the one hand, anger sometimes can make you feel powerful, and it can temporarily overwhelm that pain that you're feeling. So the pain hits, and you're feeling it. Well, if I could just get, I get angry and get all upset, and I, and I can forget about my pain, well, I'm taking it out on somebody else. But on the other hand, unresolved anger can literally strangle you inside. It'll kill your soul. Whether anger is expressed through words and behavior, because sometimes it's not just words that we use to be angry, our behavior can show it all too. Or if we repress it through denial and internalizing, it's still damaging. Because if you have that anger and you put it inside and it bottles up, eventually it's still going to explode. So depression is defined as anger turned inward. So if you keep that anger all bottled up inside, you can deal with depression then. So whether anger is expressed verbally or if it's bottled up for a time, 
it eventually is going to blow up. So unrestrained anger is sin. If we can't learn to restrain it and control it, that becomes sin in our lives. Let's look at five cases where anger is actually sinful. Number one, when it explodes quickly without time to think rationally. You know anybody like that? Don't raise your hands because I can't see them anyway. When it explodes quickly without time to think rationally. If, there's people that just, over the least little thing, they're just exploding. They don't even take time to think about it. Number two, when the injury that causes it is only imagined. It's not even real. Well, you can say, well, well I thought he said that. I, I thought she did that against me. I thought, I thought. It's not real, though. And that injury that wasn't real, and it's only imagined, and then you're angry. Number three, when it is disproportionate or unreasonable to the offense committed. Ever had times like that in your life where it's disproportionate. It's not even reasonable to the offense. It wasn't a very big offense, and, and they're just spouting off again. Like, you didn't put cream in my coffee. It, it, that's not a really big deal. Go get the cream yourself and put it in sort of thing. But they'll just blow up over no cream in their coffee. You know, they go through the drive-thru, and they get down the road, and uh, she forgot the cream, you know. And th it becomes a big issue, and they go back and drive around through the drive-thru just to give them a piece of their mind. Uh, so it's, it's disproportionate to the offense that was really committed. Maybe that person that served the coffee is having a worse day than you are. Think about it. Long-suffering, patience. When it is directed against the innocent rather than the guilty. Oops, wrong guy. You just peeled a strip off of that guy and he had nothing to do with it. He was innocent. Doesn't even know what you're talking about. But your anger just got out of control. And you just kind of pick on the first guy, I suppose, that's there. So we got to be careful for this when it's directed sometimes against innocent people rather than the guilty. And number five, when it is prolonged over time and becomes revengeful. And that's where anger can take you. Anger can cause you to seek revenge. Oh, you might hold it in for a little bit, but if you allow that anger to stay there and grow and stew, and after a time, you're going to start seeking revenge for just something that's not even major, maybe. So prolonged over time. You've got to, we've got to get to an altar. We've got to pray about this and get rid of that anger in our lives so it doesn't become revenge. Proverbs 11:29 says, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. There's always a price tag when you get angry, and you can't afford it. Anger destroys relationships. So we've got to be aware of how we deal with anger in our lives um, and let God take care of that for you. And let that long-suffering and patience grow. Number two, reflect before reacting. Wow, this is a major one. Reflect before reacting. Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, 
and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Jesus demonstrated to us about being meek and mild, never lashed back. And that's what we need to do. Slow to anger, better than the mighty. James 1, 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Oh, it's okay to hear. You can hear, open your ears, swift to hear, but slow to speak. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. And slower to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And you destroy your testimony. It only takes one outlash of anger that can destroy your testimony with so many people. Anger is always the second emotion in any experience. Now, if you can reflect long enough to figure out what the first emotion should be, then you can deal effectively with the situation. Reflect before reacting. Anger delayed gives you time to cool down. So don't spout off first thing. Just cool down, think about it, give yourself time. Remember, mind in gear before mouth in motion. That's a good one. We all need to keep that one written down close. Mind in gear before mouth in motion. When you're angry, somebody said count to 10. And when you're very angry, count to 100. Because the longer you hold your temper, the more it improves. Don't be the one who speaks before they think. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger, but a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. So let's reflect before we react in life. Number three, release your anger appropriately. That's interesting. Release your anger appropriately. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, if you become angry. It doesn't say you have to, but if you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. Now, being patient does not mean denying your anger, because once again, I said anger is a human emotion. It's there, but it's how we release it. It means releasing it properly. Now, most people tend to release their anger in ways that take them farther from their goal than they were before they got angry. So we need to guard this release of our anger. The Bible lets us know that the human heart can produce an unlimited supply of anger. And anger always causes more anger in others. And you've probably seen that. Getting angry, it really doesn't help anything. You think it makes you feel better, but in the long run... After the fact, you really don't feel better, and it doesn't help the person that you've just peeled a strip off of. So let's release our anger appropriately. You know, we're all irritated by different things, and we all release our anger in different ways. Now, they say some people are like skunks. Everyone knows when they are upset. Others are like turtles. They just pull back into their shell and hide it. So let's look at four ways to respond to anger. Number one would be to repress it. That means you're holding the resentment inside. But once again, that's just like a pressure cooker. It's going to blow off at some point. That steam's going to be released. So repressing it is not the answer. And some will suppress it. 
pretend it doesn't even exist. I'm just going to go along my way. I'm just going to pretend I don't have anger, even though it's in there. I'm just going to pretend. But once again, at some point, it's going to be released. And sometimes at a point when you don't even realize yourself it's coming out, it comes out. And then number three, some will express it. That's where we get that uncontrolled negative reaction. It doesn't take much, and you just fly off. That's expressing it. But the fourth one, and this is the only one that's really the one we should look at, is confess it. Ask for God's help. If you have struggles in this area in your life, when you just find that it's hard to control your anger over just even little things, talk to God about it. Take it to God in prayer. Confess it. Ask for God's help. As 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So release your anger appropriately. Number four, repattern your mind. We've got to change our way of thinking. Romans 12 and 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's what the Holy Ghost is in our lives to do, to change us, to transform us by the renewing of our mind. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. God can help us with this, but we've got to be willing to let that go. God knows his own creation. We need both that hupomone, abiding under, being constant under pressure, when life caves in on us, when our world is turned upside down, when we lose everything that we think is important to us in life. We need that hupomone, that abiding under, constant under pressure. But we also need the long anger, the macrothumus. We need to be able to respond, not react. That kind of patience. Or life will make us perpetually angry about something. And some people perpetually live in anger. And they don't have the joy of the Lord. So that's going to affect all the other fruit of the Spirit as well, the, the love, the joy, the peace, because they're allowing that anger to be foremost in their lives. Long-term change in the heart of man does not happen through resolutions or promises or even self-help techniques. It can only happen, that change in your heart can only happen through the power of the Holy Ghost. Nothing else can transform the way you act and think. Paul said, what I don't want to do, that's what I do. And what I do want to do, that's what I don't want to do. You know, you know what he said. So that's what it's all about. Long-term change in your heart. The Holy Ghost helps you control your anger by dealing with the root cause. And that's very important. The root cause, the real reason you are angry. It's not about that she forgot to put cream in your coffee this morning at McDonald's. No. What's the real issue or the real problem? It usually is a heart issue. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Help me not to be angry over every little thing in life. Help me to have that long suffering and that patience to be able to live for you 
in peace and harmony with my fellow brothers and sisters. And you know, only Jesus can replace your hurt, your pain, your frustration, your fear, your rejection, your insecurity with his love. And a lot of times it's things like this that's happened in your life that's caused this anger issue. But Jesus can replace all the hurt and all the frustrations. And he can give you joy and peace, but he can also give you long-suffering and patience. And we've all been there at some point in our life. And of course, the first human instinct is to lash out, get angry, and blame someone. But the Holy Ghost helps us control our anger by replacing it with the fruit of the Spirit called patience. If we need help in this area of our life, we need to pray that God will help us to grow the fruit of the Spirit called patience. Romans 15 and 5, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other. And that's what we want to do. We want to have harmony. We want to have love and joy and peace, long-suffering in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, with our church people. We want to have that patience and long-suffering, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. With God's help, you can grow this fruit called long-suffering or patience. It can be in your fruit basket as well as having that love and joy and peace, which are the easy ones, seemingly. Last verse tonight is in Colossians 1 and 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. God can give that in your life if we give it to him. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence tonight. We thank you for the time that we've spent looking into your word. God, we realize that you have been so long suffering and patient with us in our lives or we wouldn't be here tonight. Help us to grow this fruit called patience or long-suffering in our lives. Help us to become more like you. We pray now, Lord, that you will bless each one in the remainder of this week. We pray, Lord, a hedge of protection over every home and family over this COVID virus. God, we give you all the thanks for your blessings that you daily load us with each day. We love you. We, We thank you for all that you've done in our lives, and we pray that You'll bless us in Jesus' name tonight. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. May God bless you.